you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We're going to get around to taking your calls in the last segment. So stick around for that. I meet people mm-hmm. who just this just this weekend, I met a sister who said, who said, so many times I want to call him, but I know I'm not getting through. <laughs> it's my fault, like, right? Because I talk too much. Well, I try not to blame you all the time. And, you know, we're a team. And so I just, it's very awkward when people say that because I'm just like, man, it's, <laughs> it's Will. It's Will. Like, you know, but... But a husband and a wife, like you don't say that you each you kind of you protect one another. Mm-hmm. And so I just smile and I say, oh, I'm sorry. Like as if it's my fault. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just, you know, it's exactly. like, but but everybody knows. Yeah, everybody everybody knows. knows. And and people That's are right. usually very gracious. They're very gracious. So she said, well, you know, I just drove three hours. Uh, come and meet y'all on a Sunday so I can tell you <laughs> what I want to say. So on show number, no, I'm just kidding. That's not, that part didn't happen, but it is true about not being able to get through. So anyway, welcome to the show. Um, Mm -hmm. We appreciate you listening. We are going to share some announcements with you and then get into the content for today. Today's show topic is the parents are the problem. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Parents are the problem. Yeah. So we're going to spend this first segment. Uh, I want to kind of set up my argument and ask just a couple questions. I'm mm-hmm. use a couple of questions as the foundation of the argument and then um, highlight a couple of things that I believe are prevalent in our um, culture today that we see kind of manifested um, in our public school system. And why am I why am I hammering that? Because it's like the clearinghouse for our children in America, guys. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the clearinghouse. It's the it's the bottleneck for our children. I mean, you know, if if all else fails, they will have to pass through school, right? Like that's uh, that's the sentiment, at least. If if media fails, if they're not allowed to be on social media, if we can't get them in the entertainment with the cartoons and all of that, then you will send them to school because that's just what y'all do. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the thought, right? You you will educate them that way, and so that'll be the final like baptism. And so that's why I'm going there. That's why I'm going to talk about it. Um, but I, I want to show you, hopefully, I want to show you by way of the scriptures, that's what we do. We use the word of God as a straight edge. We don't just, you know, arrive at a conclusion because we think that it's expedient. We don't arrive at a conclusion because we think it's our tradition or culturally normative. We arrive right. at a conclusion because the Bible has told us to go there. Amen. So so we travel there and arrive there because the Bible told us, go there, mm-hmm. go there. Right. And so that's that's where we land. And so I will as I as I do, I hope I hope I'm effective in doing that. Um, make my case based on the scriptures. But um, the two questions I want to ask and then we'll get into announcements and then go right back into content. Um, today's topic is the parents are the problem. The parents are the problem. So my question is, what does God expect of us? And when I say of us, I mean of parents. And if you're a grandparent listening, I would say by extension, um, you can include yourself in this. Um, the Bible is very clear in regarding at least one grandparent 
um, for the work of, uh, you know, inculcating the truth into her grandson. So, uh, but the question is, what does God expect of us? What does God expect of us? And then the second question, the follow-up question is, why is this expectation a threat? Hmm. There's a, there, there, it's, it's not just rock and roll and, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, and, and, you know, it's, it's not just jukeboxes and these kids and they just, today, I just don't know. You know, it's not, there's a, there is a reason that the enemy is trying to wrestle kids away from their parents. And, and I want to look at the spiritual implications of this and I'm going to do that right, right. Right. I mean, we have to do yeah. it we have to look at the spiritual implications and, and look at some biblical examples that will give us some pause as we consider what's going on in our culture. This, yeah. this is not, you know, you're not just curmudgeon because <laughs> you're trying to protect your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a little bit, um, I would say, spiritually, it's, it's deeper than that. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. it's way deep, spiritually yeah. speaking. I think the enemy knows better than we know. Uh, the meaning and the mm. importance of like longevity, like, you know, what's going to happen generations down the mm-hmm. line, mm-hmm. you know. So we see some of these moments, you know, with our, our children and we kind of are lazy about our approach oh. because we don't see long term and what's going yeah. what's you know, what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see long term. But I think the, right. I think the enemy, you know, like he has a, a, a ability about him to like um, well, if I can get their children, mm-hmm. I'll have long term you know, uh, effects well, on, think about on, on it. generations and, to come. And know? this is not, this is not to, this is to understand the enemy of our soul. Right. Right. Like you, you cannot, um, overestimate, like you, you want to use the scriptures to understand the enemy of your soul. Right. And so we, from the scriptures can at the very basic level, understand that Satan's been around for a long time yeah. and he has, had and excuse the expression, but he has had the benefit of observing generations. Right. So, I mean, you know, that alone sort of, you know, gives him a little bit of an advantage over the person who would be lazy, Mm. um, who would not be spiritually discerning, who would just sort of be like laxed in understanding what spiritually is at stake. And, Mm. And I think so often we don't, um, we don't understand that. And then plus you add to that. Yes, he has been around for a long time. Right. Um, and, and, and also is very cunning. Yeah. The enemy of our soul is very cunning. Like you, you, you can't go into this thinking that, you know, Oh, you know, that, that old devil, like, you know, I, I just, I, I shudder when I hear people talk like that. Like, I mean, we have to recognize that, um, you know, man, you don't take this opposition lightly. Right. right. That's why we've been given the authority that we need to have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. Like this is, right. you know, we, we, we're, it's not in our own like, well, I just, man, he's not right. going to get me. Like right. it's and the Bible speaks of this actually, you know, not being flippant in the way that we respond in these kinds of situations. But anyway, yeah. that's not, that's not what I wanted to talk about so much today, but it is a spiritual issue. Yes. When we talk about the parents being a, the problem. And if you, if you are not discerning enough to see it, if you can't see it by way of consuming the word of God, mm-hmm. right, which is how we become discerning, how we increase our discernment, mm-hmm. then just look at the opposition mm-hmm. to parents in our culture today. Yeah. Yeah. That should tell you like that it should, should, tell that you should cause a flag to go up that you go, wait a minute. Why do they why? hate us so much? Exactly. And, that, and on, on a few fronts, you know, when we think about, like you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, parenting and why is it so why is this opposition so strong that we, it should come into our minds? Like, like, why, you know, what, what's going on when yes. we talk about like 
the enemy trying to grab children and you see the the, that should tell us something that that's something important about raising and discipling our children you know when the the enemy attacks uh, marriage and, mm-hmm. and God's design. That should yep. tell us that yep. that's something important about God's design that's in marriage exactly and sexuality. Right. And yep. so I think as Christians, we can't just take that and say like, oh, well, man, like shaking our head moments, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, man. But man, it should tell us something that, man, these are things that we need to contend for, you know, and not be uh, uh, lazy about, but contend for because the enemy, for a reason, he's trying to contend <laughs> on the other side that's to, exactly to right. get what he desires, you know? excuse me I always describe it as sort of like the um it's the Napoleon Dynamite you're gonna eat your tots it's like you know we don't understand you You know what I mean you're not gonna do anything with that right but then to see the level of attack to see the intensity of the attack I Mm. think should really reveal to us how important these institutions are that's right the familial institution the marital institution these things are important they're vital and and let me just jump to the end of the discussion here they're important and they're vital to the proliferation of the gospel. And Amen. that's why the enemy despises them. Amen. Guys, Amen. this this is not just about like apple pie. Like the enemy is not coming <laughs> after apple pie. <clears throat> right. Do you guys understand that? Right. Like he's he's not he's not mad about your 25 cent Coke. Like he's not he's not. He's not coming for that. Man, so when the on. when the enemy is coming and he's so relentless over yeah. these things, you've got to ask the question. It's like it's like, wait, why do you why do you care so much? Man, it's it's not that's, just that's about right. redefining or the attempt to redefine family. It's not about just reshaping culture. So so often we're so in love with the superficial things mm. that we don't understand or we bypass or we neglect or we ignore mm-hmm. the deeper spiritual meanings that these things represent. These things are still shadows and types. They they mm. are pointing to something that's bigger and that's deeper. And we should be kind of clued into that by the attacks that come from the enemy for mm. them. Mm. Like, why does the enemy want why does the enemy want marriage? Yeah. Why does he want to confuse the definition of marriage? Yeah. Right. Why does the enemy want family? Why does he want to wrestle kids right. away from their parents? Like you guys, like we start thinking deeply about these things and we might battle better. Yeah. I'm not trying to be Dr. Seuss, but I'm just saying <laughs> we really might battle better if yeah. we understood the deep spiritual implications of what we're involved in. So Amen. I said all of that. That's like the setup. Right. But we want to <laughs> we want to remind our listeners about the marriage family life conference that's coming up. Uh, in July, I will say this is some of the content that you're going to hear as we yes. continue to remind you to be vigilant for your families. The Marriage Family Life Conference, uh, July 7th, 8th, and 9th down here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. We had a little glitch going on with our registration of website, but it's fixed now. So if you were trying to register and you couldn't, it, it has all been fixed. You know, um, But registration does end uh, May 15th. And so you want to register today. It's going to be a great time. The youth apologetics track for children ages four to 17. Uh, It's going to be something that you don't want to miss. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think, you know, the Lord's going to really do some uh, significant things, um, you know, for a lot of families. And so this is a a conference for the whole family. So hopefully that you you guys can come out, register, uh, like I said, marriagefamilylife.net. Uh, to register and to get more information about the conference. All right. So the parents are the problem. That's the topic of discussion today. Two questions sort of as the foundation of that discussion. We're going to kind of springboard off off of that. And you guys know you listen to the program on a regular basis. We're going to take a look at a couple of current event stories and, and look at how um, sort of the examples kind of bear out the warning, right, that 
Um, when they say, you know, we'll convert your children, when they say we're mm. coming for your children, they actually really do mean that. And we can look at all the ways that they're doing that. Um, the hypersexualization of our children. Uh, someone emailed us asking about consent. I can't remember exactly when we were talking about that, but I, I'm almost 100% certain that when we talked about consent, we talked about it in the context of um, the um, comprehensive sexual education standards that have swept this country. I would say are sweeping, but have swept this country. They're in a school near you, if not your school, um, where by your teaching kids consent and parents automatically think they think back to the 90s where they're thinking that they want kids to say no. They want kids to say no, right? They mm -hmm. they kind of have an abstinence mindset. Parents have an abstinence mindset in a very decadent culture, mm. right? They have an abstinence mindset in a culture that's not not celebrating um, abstaining. They're they're not. And so when you teach kids consent, what you are doing is teaching the kid that they have bodily autonomy. And so what does that mean when you say that I, if I'm speaking as a kid, you're telling me that I have bodily autonomy? Essentially, what you're telling me is that I get to consent. I get to say who and what I am. I get mm -hmm. to say who and 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 does what and and that's my that's my call. That's my call. Mm -hmm. And so when our kids are being taught consent, that is actually what they are being taught. They are being taught that they have the right to say yes. Your parents don't get to tell you what you can and cannot do. Now, if you go into that thinking 90s and thinking that the right to consent that you're teaching kids to say no and to abstain until marriage, then you would be woefully misinformed and underserved mm -hmm. thinking that way. We live in a decadent culture. It's time that we face it and it's time that we navigate it in light of that fact. Decadence. All right. So the parents are the problem. What does God expect of us? What does God expect of us? Well, I think Malachi chapter two, verse 15 makes it very clear that the Lord expects in our marital unions that we are going to create or that we are going to reproduce, that we're going to make a godly seed. Let me read it for you. And then I'm going to work through here, looking at some examples that show the blessings of family. So Malachi chapter two, verse 15, did he not make them one with a portion of the, of, of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking godly offspring? What was the, so the Lord God made them one flesh, what was he seeking? Oh, and happily ever after. Happiness. <laughs> Happiness. Mm. Mm, no, it seems that the Bible points to the Lord was seeking a godly offspring. Right. So if the Lord is seeking a godly offspring, that means that Satan is not seeking that. Mm. I mean, just because, you know, contrary, just because opposition, right? Like right. we pretty much can understand that. I want to work through some more passages that show the blessing um, and the expectation that God has for family. We'll discuss that on the other side of the break. Aaron, the Addison's American family radio, please stay right there. God of creation, there at the start before the beginning of time. With no point of to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life and as you speak welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio I'm Miki and I'm Will and as Osby Berry with So Will I 
Uh, today's discussion, the parents are the problem. The parents are the problem. You, you are the problem. You're in the way. You're in the way. And so whenever this becomes so like just obvious, um, you know, I think we have to, we have to start asking deep spiritual questions, mm. like not just political ones, right? Like we, we right. have to do, we have to do the work, right? right? I mean, we have to be faithful to our civic <laughs> duties. Do the work. But, but do the work. <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Okay, word. I don't have time. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> later, please remind me on a, on a lighter day to share with with on our Friday. family that that clip. Yeah. Maybe um, <clears throat> we have to at some point start to ask the deep spiritual questions. Like, okay, spiritually speaking, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Why does this matter to them? Why do they want our kids so desperately? Right. Um, <laughs> it, it's sort of like when a person says, you know, if you you have you have something in your hand, you, like imagine being at a flea market, and a person just walks up to you and and they're like, oh. I'll give you a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> and you kind of were just like, man, I just, yeah, I just wanted to do like a little trade. Yeah, you know, I didn't, on, I didn't like, even know what I had. Yeah, what's going on here. But since you mentioned a thousand, like, you know, you're kind of <laughs> like, well, wait, I'll hold on yeah, to let it. Let me keep you know? this for a minute. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is that the culture is offering you that thousand yeah. dollars. They're just sort of like, you know, here are your kids. You kind of take it for granted. They're just in your house. You right. just, you don't really know. You're just like, I mean, they're going to grow up and move on. You, you don't understand the deep spiritual significance of mm. them growing up in your home, by the way. And I'm going to make the case from scripture growing up in your home and, and the culture is just like, Whoa, you got two. Hey, a thousand each, you know? And and so that should kind of sound an alarm for us. It it should make us step back at the very least, get back in the truck and don't sell it right now. Like just wait, (laughs) just wait and go and see what you have. You know what I mean? At the very least, just get back in the truck, you know? Um, So here we go. The questions are, uh, what does God expect of us? Malachi 2.15 gives us an answer. Uh, and the Bible kind of continues to reiterate this and we're going to talk about it. And then why is this expectation such a threat to our culture? Guys, jump to the end of it with me. It all comes down to the gospel. It comes down to the proliferation of truth. It comes down to being able to inculcate eternal truths into the hearts of our kids. And I'll tell you in just a second, as I, as I kind of move on, why I chose the word inculcate, because I think it's the right word. I think it's the word that has the strength that we need to describe what God expects us to do. Mm. Um, inculcate is not just to tell your kid. And we'll talk about that in just a second here. But here, so so what does God expect of us? And why is this expectation such a threat? Why are the parents a problem in our culture today? All right, so there are some covenant benefits that children enjoy just because of their parents. There's mm-hmm. some covenant benefits that children enjoy just because of their parents. I want you to be thinking about this. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 18, the Lord says to Noah, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you, mm. with you. So they're coming, they're getting on, they're getting in <laughs> because of you. Mm. So there are some covenant benefits that our kids enjoy just because they're our kids. Mm. Like, think about this, right? This is, this is the you and your children. Um, Acts 2.42, this is the you and your children and those who are far off that the Lord, your God, will call. So, so what is the expectation? The expectation is that the gospel is going to proliferate in your family. And, and let me make this case. I, I had a, a couple other scripture references, uh, scriptural references for this. But, but let me jump down and say something about Noah. Well... Okay, let me continue on. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, when you look at the fifth commandment, it attaches a promise to it that you honor your father and your mother, that your days will be long on the face of the earth, that it will go well with you in the land that you're living in. Why is this significant? Why does this matter? Why why do we have this introduction of a command with 
with a promise attached to it. And it's in the familial context. Man, there just must be something significant about this relationship. There must be something um, worthy of attaching a promise to this particular commandment. Like Mm -hmm. we just, just logically thinking you would go, okay, man, there must be something to that. Yeah. Right. You don't have don't commit adultery that your days may be long on the face of the earth. But Mm. but we understand that transgressing any Mm. of these commandments. Right. right? We come up short. We deserve death. So why does number five get like a promise in real time? Like what (laughs) what is God doing? Right. Like these are the kinds of questions we should be asking. Psalm 103, 17. I'm going to read this one to you. Psalm 103, 17. Remember the background here. We're asking the question. Uh, what does God expect of us? We parents, what does God expect of us? Right. Um, why is this expectation a threat to Satan? Why is he trying to wrestle our kids away from us in broad daylight? Like, why is he doing it while we are awake? Like, why is this happening? Those are the kinds of questions that you should be asking. Okay. So let's look at this. Psalm 103, Psalm chapter 103, verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. It's amazing. It's almost like there's an extension to your children because Mm. of your faithfulness and your commitment to the Lord. And the Lord sees this and the Lord recognizes this and the Lord upholds his word. And so then by extension, there, there is, there is a familial grace that is extended to your children that they have the opportunity to come to the Lord. Now, let me let me say this, because I think this is very important. And and I was actually writing this down last night. I I had this thought. I was thinking about, man, the amazing grace of God. And so I wrote it down. And and if I I would like to read what I wrote so that I don't forget what I said, because sometimes I just kind of get going and, and paraphrasing and things like that. But I was thinking about this last night. And so I wanted to jot it down so I wouldn't remember it. I was thinking about Noah and his family. And too often, and like, think about this, if you've been in this place before, we think that Noah's family was saved um, because they were Noah's family. Like, think about that, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, man, they were saved because they were Noah's family. And mm-hmm. and and that's partially true. But I, I was thinking about this and, and you know, let's, let's just kind of think about this together. So here's what I wrote down. I was thinking about this and, and then I'm going to do a comparison just to make, just to make my case, right? Um which we should always do. So we shouldn't believe that Noah's family was saved because they were Noah's family. They were saved because they got on the ark. <laughs> like it seems simple, yeah. right? But let me go somewhere with it. It seems, it seems simple, but I feel like it's going to be profound. So bear with me here. Right. People are like, well, duh. Cause they would have drowned Right. Okay. So, but let me just, that's a joke guys. So, so, but let me unpack it a little bit here so that we can think deeply about these things and understand what the implications might be for us in our culture today. Okay. Excuse me. All right. So I'll say it again. We shouldn't believe that Noah's family was saved because they were Noah's family. They were saved because they got on the ark. However, the means of grace extended by which they came to the ark Mm -hmm. was on the account of being Noah's family. Mm. Mm. So now think about that. And and, and why am I making that point? They still had to choose to believe and board the ark, Mm -hmm. right? However, we cannot overlook the fact 
that familial proximity aided in that decision Mm. because they were in Noah's family. Mm -hmm. God's grace was extended to them and they had the opportunity to decide to get on the ark. And there are some people who might argue, well, I mean, there's really no decision to make. I mean, there you are, your pops building the boat. And I mean, you know, is there really a decision to make? Well, well, let's, let's contrast two different families here. So we look at Noah's family Mm -hmm. and then let's look at Lot's family, Mm. right? So you have a similar situation going on here where there is the grace extended to be spared destruction. All right, let me just flip back. So this is Genesis chapter 19, right? Because the question is, why, why family? Why does it matter? Why do parents matter? Why do parents consistently seem to be getting in the way of our culture's agenda? Is it, is it, is it just like upset us or is there something um, spiritually deeper than what we recognize? I would say it's the latter. It's, there's something spiritually yeah. deeper than what we recognize. And because we don't dig deeply into these things or look deeply into these things, we're missing it and we are losing our children. So, so familial proximity aided in Noah's family getting on the ark. Getting on the ark is what saved them. Guys, that is so vitally important. <laughs> our kids are not saved because they're in our family. They have to choose come on, Christ. Come on. They have to, they, they have to, okay, they have to get on the ark. Guys understand this shadows and types. They have to get on the ark, but they have access to the ark because they're in our family because they're in our. So we get to tell them, hey, a flood is coming. A flood is coming. We get to warn them now. But there's a distinction that has to be made. Mm -hmm. They will accept that warning. And they will get in the ark. Right. One, we know the spirit draws them. But also, two, they are not dulled or intoxicated. By this culture. Mm. So look at look at the comparison, though, because in Genesis chapter 19, verses 12 through 26. So here is the familial grace that is extended. Right. And and it's amazing because you can kind of juxtapose these stories and you can look at them and you can say, oh, my goodness, this is like two kind of similar examples, one with dire consequences. Right. <laughs> and the others good for them. They get on the ark. Boom, they're saved. OK. Then the others, you know, they have a decision to make. Some make the right decision and some don't. Guys, it's, just think about this, right? Mm. But they have the same opportunity. Some make the right decision and some don't. So, so here's Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Uh, keep in context here. Okay, we're, we're talking about like familial proximity. Yeah. All right. Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city. Bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now watch this. This is verse 14. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his Mm sons-in-law to be jesting. Now, in the interest of time, I, I had in my mind to read 12 all the way down to 26, but I'll just jump. You, everybody is familiar with the story. Who's familiar with the story where the sons-in-laws don't go, mm-hmm. but the the two angels, the two men who are visiting, they grab uh, Lot hand. and his daughters and, 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 and they, they like drag them out. Right. Yeah. And they're like, don't even look behind you. Just right. keep going. Go up into the hills. And then Lot is like, what well, can we go here? And they're like, all right, you can go there, but you got to go fast. Right. Because it's going down. 
And then what happens? The wife, they're instructed not to look back and the wife looks back. And I was right. thinking about this and I was like, wow, you have this amazing picture because you've got one set, right? You've got the sons-in-law, the future sons-in-law, would have been sons-in-law or sons-in-law who, who they are, they, they think it's a joke. So they, they kind of like are intoxicated by the culture that they live in. Mm. They're, they're not sober minded. They're sort of like, gah, 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 right they're, They are not sober minded. They are intoxicated by the culture that they live in. And I think about what our culture is trying to do with our children mm. so that they are not sober minded so that mm. when you warn them, your warning actually falls on deaf ears. So right. you're, you're like, tell yeah. me, you're like, listen. And they're just like, you're oh, come on. Uh, it's not right? all that. Yeah. And yeah. so then if the enemy doesn't win by intoxication, then he wins by infatuation. So, so look at Lot's wife. Right. Mm. So she turns away. She's not intoxicated. She actually starts out to go. But she loves that town. So mm. she turns around and Come she's on. looking back. Right. So look at what. Think about our children, guys. I'm, I'm parents. Think about our children. Mm -hmm. OK. So so if they if they will not be intoxicated by the culture, they will certainly be infatuated by it. you're going to just love this culture. Right. And so then you may kind of like tag along with the parents, but you secretly really just love the world mm. and you're waiting for your opportunity to like live that love out. So what I'm saying is this, the enemy of our soul and the souls of our children knows what we have. He understands right better than we do the value and the right expectation that God has of us as parents, that the gospel would proliferate in our families, that we would share the truth with our children, Amen. that we would inculcate truth into our children. Now, now why I, and I use the word inculcate on purpose because it means to instill by persistent instruction. So over and over and over, we are telling our children about the truths of God's word. We mm -hmm. are telling our children about the promise that God has made. We are reminding our kids of the promises that God made and fulfilled. And we are telling them, and they are, there are yet outstanding promises that he will fulfill. He is That's coming right. again. We are telling our children, he is coming again. It's very similar to Noah. The flood is coming. The flood is coming. And so they have proximity to this truth, right? Mm -hmm. But man, they've, they've got to get yeah. on the boat yes get on the ark they've got to come in the lord's going to seal it up but they've they've got to come in but but god's means of grace extended toward them is that they get to hear that truth mm -hmm. they get to hear that truth amen i you know so having said all of that yes the parents are the problem this is the news headline massachusetts parents sue school district alleging officials violated parental rights by secretly encouraging gender transition. This is from the Tennessee star mm. parents in Ludlow, Massachusetts filed a federal lawsuit that alleges school officials secretly promoted their children's gender transition and violated their parental rights by choosing not to inform them about issues related to their children's health and well-being. The parents, Stephen foot and Marissa Silvestri and Jonathan Feliciano and Sandra Selmaron claim in their lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts Springfield Division. The Ludlow School Committee and district officials have, quote, exceeded the bounds of legitimate pedagogical concerns and usurped the roles of parents mm. to direct the education and upbringing of their children. These parents are saying, you have usurped our authority. Mm. It is given to us. I, I'm sorry, I'm this, I'm now, this is 
commentating. <laughs> it is given to us to direct the education and the upbringing of our children. These parents are saying, you have robbed us of that right. Now, when we come back, I want to go back to this as quickly as I can so you get more info. And then we'll open the phone lines. Aaron the Addisons, stay there. We can start getting the calls queued up. I just want to give you a little more information from this lawsuit. Again, uh, the parents are the problem. That's what we're discussing today. Um, If you want to chime in on this, you are free to do that. Uh, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Sherry B. over in Studio CC, forever for us. Uh, We'll get your calls queued up there. And uh, J-Mac is also on tap helping us navigate the show. Mm -hmm. We appreciate that. The parents are the problem. I'm talking about uh, this this lawsuit uh, from some Massachusetts parents who are saying that the school encouraged their kids to transition, to change their gender, engaged in um, like counseling that the parents in one situation, in one of the cases, the parents specifically requested that the school not talk to their kid uh, about this issue because the kid was actually seeing a professional. And so the parents were actually dealing with the confusion. The school went behind the parents back and counseled the kid, encouraging the kid to change pronouns and to change even the kid's name. Like, I mean, this. Okay, so so back to the lawsuit. The lawsuit continues this way. I'm going to read here at length. Defendants protocol and practice of concealing from parents information related to their children's gender identity and efforts to affirm a discordant student gender identity at school violates parents fundamental rights under the United States and Massachusetts constitutions. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And violates children's reciprocal rights to the care and custody of their parents, familial privacy and integrity. Now that that second half of that statement is so important because we don't often think like when we say the parental rights are being violated, yeah. also the child's rights are being violated, right. the right to be protected by their parent. See, sometimes I think, and I even myself, so I, when I look at these things, I'm grappling with these things and I go, man, okay, wait, have I had this picture of like the parents, like I will protect you over my dead body. But, but it, it wrongly assumes that the kid does not want to be protected. Mm. You see, our children, they come here needing to be protected and they want to be protected until they're told that they don't need to be protected or that we are the enemy. So then it becomes a one sided fight. But it doesn't start out that way. Kids want to be protected. What happens when your kid falls down and scrapes his or her knee? They run right for you. What happens when someone pushes your kid on the playground? You're out there, you're at the park, you're playing around and and one kid pushes them off the dinosaur climb. And then what, what do they do? They come over and what do they want you to do? They want you to get them. (laughs) They don't care if you're bigger. They don't care. They want you to get them. Why? Because they come here hardwired to know that you're supposed to protect them, that you're supposed to take care of them. If something is wrong, they're coming straight to you and they will come straight to you until they meet opposition that tells them don't. Mm. Don't do that. Don't go to them. You got issues. We're your friends. We're your new moms. We already talked to you about this a couple weeks ago. Schools are pushing this. We're your new family. These glitter families. 
Why, why are they doing this? Because the parents are the problem. The parents are the problem. Let me say this. There's another piece to this lawsuit here that I think are important. Um, Feliciano and Selmaran are also making the claim that the school's actions violated their fundamental right to free exercise of religion. (laughs) That complaint, that grievance must not be overlooked by us Christians. Because when you are teaching kids gender confusion, when you are teaching them that they can be like disembodied or mm-hmm. wrongly embodied and all right. of these things, you, you're, you're actually proselytizing. Like you, you, you're making converts. You're, you're turning right. people, right, away from the truth that their parents would have taught them toward a different, I would call it, gospel. It's a, it's a different truth. Not really, but you understand <laughs> what I'm saying, yeah. right? yeah. So, so now these parents are saying, hold on a second, we disagree with this. Mm-hmm. We disagree with this from a religious perspective. And so now you're violating our rights. You're, you're, you're violating our religious freedom rights that you're now proselytizing our kids. And it's amazing because our public school system, which cares so much about proselytizing kids on school time, is like investing big, big, huge mega bucks into doing it. Right. And starting at the age of five. But but because many parents do not see this as some sort of like religious infringement, you know, it just sort of doesn't really get called out on that basis. It should. It should increasingly. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. There's more that can be said about this article. If we have time at the end of the show, I'll read a little bit more because I, I think it's actually fascinating. And I think it's something that we need to be paying attention to. I think just like we saw a little desantizing happening in Florida, (laughs) I think all across this country there needs to be, uh, we just call it sanitizing, there needs to be some cleanup happening all across this country. And how is that going to happen? It's going to, man, it's going to happen just like they said on the Lorax when, you know, some people care an awful lot. (laughs) That's when it's going to happen. I know that's deep and profound, right? But, I mean, that's what you get, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Some people have got to care an awful lot. Like, you, if these it, are your yeah. kids. It, as I say, it should be parents. It should be. It's got to be us. You know, because, uh, look, they're going to go for the goal with our kids. They're going to try to take them all, you know, as it far as indoctrinate. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's what they're going for. And so for us to be laid back about the approach, you know, man, it's sad. and It's pitiful, you know. But I think if we have an, uh, a mindset of the importance of discipleship of our children and we care and we are the one, ones who care. Yes. Then things will change. It's this. It's a similar thing to what happened with the whole CRT thing. You you That's start right. seeing parents caring when yep. they understood what was going on, mm-hmm. and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. Absolutely. You know? And so. and I would say this. And and education is important. And look, parents, we cannot be embarrassed to say what we don't know. I really I don't enjoy talking to people who are the kinds of know it alls that you just never quite feel comfortable saying. I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. so it's man, it's such a burden to talk to people like that in right. the body of Christ. We should always be charitable and gracious toward one another where when we share information, we don't treat them like I can't believe you didn't know that. No. Well, you didn't know it until you knew it. And so who told you? How did you learn? So let's share that information. So we have to learn terminology, right? We have to understand where the points of attack are so that we can all coalesce there. Let's all let's go there. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's 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 rally there and, yeah. and, and, and let's respond to that. Amen. If you know what the terms are, 
If you know what's being batted around in school, if you know how it's being cloaked by this or how it's being shielded by that, then let's share that information and let's not be critical. Let's not, you know, talk down to parents who don't know it. Mm. Let's say, man, it's important that we all know it. Like when I when I started exposing critical race theory, man, I'm just saying, hold up a second, y'all. This is this is trying to rival the gospel. Like we right. gotta talk. Let's talk about this. Right. This is a problem. The only time I got upset was when people told me it's not a problem. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> That's the only time I got upset. Okay, that's not accurate. I got upset when I started learning that it was a problem. And then I got upset when people told me that it wasn't a problem. <laughs> All right, Will the Great, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Where do we go? All right, let's go to Jeff in North Carolina. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Hello. Well, our president is trying to take over and get the public schools now to take over our children. When my daughter went to uh, liberal arts school, mm-hmm. they said, forget everything you learn from home and from school, mm. and they'll teach you what you need. And I said, no, you don't forget where you were raised. Don't forget where you were <laughs> right. in church. Don't forget these things because learn what you need to learn to go get you a job or have you. Don't go that way. Mm. That's so right. good, Jeff. You, That's... Were you were raised by a Baptist preacher's son. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. That's Listen, right. let me tell you, it's it's interesting, though, because once our kids kind of go through this baptism, that is education in a public setting. Right. Um, they want they want our kids to forget everything that mm. they knew from home, except for like your you know banking information. <laughs> right. Right. Like forget everything <laughs> that you do, except for your parents, social <laughs> and banking information. Right. Because they'll mm. gladly take your dollars. Um, but just not your ideology. Come Jeff, on. you're you're right on. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Laura in Texas. Hi, Laura. Hey, um, I I love listening to you guys. I actually emailed you um, like a week or two ago. Um, I I am a single widowed mom of two boys. And I listen to you guys all the time. And um, y'all are such an encouragement to me. Um, and just how to how my role and my responsibility to raise these boys um to know the lord and and to protect them that way and they're so little right now and um and i'm thankful for you guys i I shared i shared a will will responded to me um my youngest at four you know he received christ yes uh through listening to y'all's program which was just amazing um but all I see in this world right now, you know, through my struggles of being a single mom of two boys, mm. is just an all-out attack on families. And um, I just, I just want to thank you guys for y'all's program. And just let me just me. let me just make sure that I have the right person here because Laura, if 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 you are who I'm thinking that you are. Um, and when we received your email, we stopped immediately and we prayed for you and, and your boys. Are you also in school right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just finished okay. the semester. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Laura, you look, let me tell you. So, so your email really moved us. Okay, mm-hmm. sister. Let me just tell you. And um, immediately after we read it, um, man, we just stopped and we just prayed for you. We just spent some time. Um, lifting you up to the Lord. Uh, I was so moved by um, just what you're what you've gone through and um, just the vigilance that the Lord has given you for the protection of your children. Of course, man, it, it melted our heart that uh, a conversation that we would be having, that your son would hear that 
and be curious about that and that it would open a door for you to share the gospel with him and lead him to Jesus Christ. I mean, this is this mm-hmm. is like the highest accomplishment Amen. that we can have as parents Amen. that we I say this is like this is the highest accomplishment that we can have as parents mm-hmm. that we would lead our children to <laughs> Christ. I mean, amen and amen. amen. Again, Laura, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and um, and, and sharing with us via email. We appreciated it, and, and we prayed for you. And as the Holy Spirit reminds us, we'll keep praying for you. I can't imagine um, what you're enduring, um, but, man, the Lord, he's gracious to us, and it, it really does seem like he's given you the grace that you need. Um, anyway, thank amen. you so much for calling, thank Laura. You, I appreciate Lord. it. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Dorothy in Tennessee. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, I'm a daily listener. Uh, I just want to make a comment in reference to um, what Mickey was uh, saying in reference to Noah and the ark. I want to say that his family, uh, they were obedient, Mm -hmm. uh, just as Noah was. He was was obedient, okay? And, and, And I think that if we could just instill in our children uh, to listen to us, you know, <laughs> uh, we're born again. And, and nine times out of ten, you know, everything is going to work out for our children. We just got to be obedient to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's so interesting that you say that, Dorothy, because um, that's 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 almost sort of like what we're discussing today, that while we want our kids to be obedient because we recognize that this leads to eternal life, right? The, their ability or their willingness to obey, not just us. I mean, cause we're, we're sort of like, we kind of prime the pump for them to learn to obey God, right. Mm-hmm. To follow him. Mm-hmm. But they live in a culture that's telling them not only don't obey or disobey, but you don't even have to tell them. <laughs> like you don't even have to, you right. don't even have to talk don't to them about this. Like you don't, you don't have to do what they say and they don't have to know. Right. I mean, it's 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 really insidious. It's really wicked. And so I appreciate your points because, yeah, obedience is key. And and sadly, our kids are being told that they don't have to do it. They don't right. have to obey. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? But that's the last call. Oh, is that the last call? Yes. OK, well, then in the time that I have, let me go back to something else that was uh, said, because I thought, man, how egregious that we've got a middle school that is attempting to transition kids without the parents consent, without the parents approval. Right. So here we go. Um, Foot and Silvestri, back to this article here. This is from the Tennessee Star. Mm-hmm. Foot and Silvestri alleged that Ludlow government school officials encouraged their child to adopt a new name and pronouns consistent with a new gender identity incompatible with the child's biological sex and without the parent's knowledge or consent. Let me jump down here because there's a, a librarian that is listed in this article. Additionally, the parents allege that Jordan Funk, a former librarian at Baird Middle School, instructed incoming sixth grade students at Baird Middle School to create videos and include in the videos their gender identity and preferred pronouns. Mm. According to Foote and Silvestri's 11-year-old daughter, she was among the students given this assignment. She had to do this. The videos of their children were created without the parents' knowledge or consent. Wow. Why are our kids being forced to confess, 
<laughs> right? Think, think about this. Remember, I, we did a show where we talked about confession being key, right? That we live in a culture that wants us to say what they're saying. They want us to say the same. They, they want us to agree loudly, mm. agree loudly, say what we're saying. So why do you have kids who have to get on video and, and declare what their pronouns are? Right. And then you couple with that, I think about this, parents, you couple with that the type of peer pressure that you yourself cannot even stand against. Like, think about it. I, I, you know, we're all listening individually, so we don't have to show any discomfort, <laughs> but we can all feel it. You think about the pressure that you feel and imagine an 11-year-old getting on and just saying, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm as God made me. Mm. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. Like, I don't even know. Like, this, like your 11-year-old saying this is dumb. Now think about how she would be bullied. Right. Think about how she would be pushed around at school. All right. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.